Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Smile on my face. <laughs> the awkwardness of whether to applaud or not in church. <laughs> Amber gets through playing and... If we're going to applaud her, we need to applaud her. Let's applaud her. (laughs) And and I understand your confusion sometimes. Do you applaud or not to applaud? It's not always easy to know in church. I just thought that was humorous. But uh, yeah, that was deserving of a genuine, real applaud. And, And the special was a blessing as well. This morning, the spirit of Christmas... I love Christmas, and for some, you know, Christmas, when you think about Christmas, a lot of times you think about kids, and that's true. Kids love Christmas, and when I was a kid, I loved Christmas, and you kind of think that maybe as an adult, you, you grow out of it. I don't know. It seems as if the older I get, the more I'm growing, maybe, if you will, back into Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the music, Christmas cards, gift-giving. I love the Salvation Army bell ringers that you see out in front of stores. I like children excited about Christmas. I love the Christmas musicals, the the candlelight service, and it was wonderful last night, the idea of family coming home for Christmas. I think all of that is evident, really, of a spirit of Christmas, if you will. And apparently I'm not the only one that thinks that way. The preacher of years past, Norman Vincent Peale, I have a quote from him. He says, Christmas waves a magic wand over this world. And behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. And I agree with that. Yesterday, Sharon and I went down to Flint to pick up our daughter who flew up here, flew home from Greenville, South Carolina. And we're there in the area, you know, you, you, you're watching, you look, you can't go beyond this point, and you're, you're watching for family as they're, they're coming. How many of you have done that? You, you're craning your neck, you're excited to see them, and you're looking, and, you know, there were some people there that had on the Santa hats and whatever, and they had a guy waiting for his wife, and he had a, a little beautiful little white fluffy dog, and the little dog had a little Santa hat on. And they were, they were, you know, they were playing Christmas music in the airport. And, and I went over to Sharon and I said, I feel so dumb. And she said, well, you should. No, no that's, not, that's not what she said. She said, what? I said, I feel emotional. You know, the Christmas music is playing. Aaron's coming home. And then I got to thinking, that's what I would describe as a spirit of Christmas. And I think it originated, this spirit, I'm going to make the case for it this morning, okay. I, I think there was a spirit of Christmas that was there that we read about in the story of the very first Christmas. That was not a cold, callous event 
there are emotions displayed there. And there are actions that are displayed there that we associate uniquely with Christmas. And I think it produced then, and it still does 2,000 years later, produces a spirit. I sense it around the church. I sense it in places you go. People greeting one another with a Merry Christmas. And let's hand it to Donald Trump. He's promoted that this year. And I think we've heard more people saying Merry Christmas this year than I have in a long time. And that's a good thing. That's a, regardless of what you think about him, that is a good thing to promote. And I appreciate that. But there's a, there was a spirit there. Again, what happened that first Christmas did not take place in an, an emotional vacuum. And I want us to look real quick this morning at the four main groups of characters that make up the Christmas story. You have the angels, very, you know, important part of the Christmas story. You have the shepherds, you know, key players in the Christmas story. You have the wise men, and you have Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, the family. And I think each of these characters demonstrate from what we read a certain spirit that put together contribute to the overall spirit of Christmas. And then I'm going to challenge you with something at the end, but let me make the case first. Number one, the angels provide us, I believe, with a spirit of joy. Let's read Luke 2, verse number 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. The angels are signifying this is a celebratory event. You know, forget about your troubles, forget about your problems. Tonight is a night of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And in verse number 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, it's only getting better, folks. It's only getting bigger, this, this, this joy. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Certainly was something to celebrate that night. Without that night happening, let me just be real. Without that night happening, and I mentioned this I think last week, you and I would have been born into a world, we would be sinners, we would die in our sins, and condemned by our own sins to be separated from a holy God forever in a horrible place called hell, where you and I would be tormented. You think you're tormented on this earth? Where you would be tormented in the absence of God forever without the slightest hope of ever having that torment being 
relieved. And you would know that about your children and your precious grandchildren, your spouse, your family, and friends. Without that first Christmas, that is what we would have been looking at. And there would have been nothing we ourselves could have done about it. So certainly, by Jesus coming and saying, I'll take your sins on me, and I'm going to hang on that cross, and not only experience physical pain, but personal humiliation, I will do that for you. I will purchase for you what you can't do for yourself. And I will offer it to you as a free gift. All you got to do is take it. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't even deserve it. But if you will simply accept it, you will not go to hell. You will not spend eternity in torment. In fact, you'll go to heaven. I'll prepare a mansion for you in heaven. And it'll be wonderful and glorious forever. And it was all dependent upon that first Christmas. And then, of course, the subsequent death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Certainly was something to celebrate that night. I mean, we had nothing more ominous or dangerous facing us than the prospect of separation from God and being tormented for eternity. We have nothing greater to rejoice in than the fact that we don't have to go there. We don't have to experience that. I like this quote from John R. Rice, fundamental evangelist of years past. I heard him preach one time down in Baton Rouge. He said, you may be lonely, poor, and cold, neglected by the children, forgotten by your friends, yet may have the glad Christmas joy in your heart as Paul had shut up in his prison cells at Rome. So even if you're going through a tough time, remember Paul went through a tough time as an ambassador for Christ, a a, a disciple, an, an apostle. And even in prison, he was able to know this inner joy, the joy of knowing that for all of eternity, because of Jesus Christ, we will have the pleasure and the privilege of being one of God's children forever. And the angels that night were saying, you got something to be happy about. You got something to celebrate. And I believe part of the Christmas spirit should be the joy demonstrated by the angels that first Christmas. But there's something else. There's another aspect of the Christmas spirit. And I think the shepherds show us this. The shepherds provide us with a spirit of awe or a spirit of wonder. And I think that truly constitutes part of the spirit of Christmas even 2,000 years later. Not only should we exhibit and understand That even if things aren't right in our life right now, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. That should, in and of itself, and above everything else, inspire you with joy right now. 
Sure, you got problems. You got things you got to deal with tomorrow and bills you got to pay. And we're not making light of that. But there's a joy over the fact that when it's all said and done, you're going to win. You're going to heaven. But secondly, at Christmas time, there is this spirit of awe. There's a spirit of wonder. And we see that in the shepherds, Luke 2.15. And it came to pass as the angels were going away from them, they've made this announcement, unto heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, <coughs> excuse me, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. In verse number 16, and they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. I like the way Toby and Dakota in our Christmas musical, the lights came on and they're over here like this. And I mean, can you imagine the awe and the wonder? You know, what is this? What is is going on? I imagine maybe the angels left just as soon as they had as as soon as they had appeared. Now all of a sudden they're gone, and it's like looking at each other like, "Whoa, what, what was that? What was that?" We said, "Well, they said, you know, the Savior's born and is in the manger, and you know, and it says they went with haste there. Let's go, let's go see the. You know, can you imagine the thoughts just going through their mind <coughs> as they're trying to comprehend this?" As they're trying to, to sort this all out on that night, going, there, what's going on? Wait, that, there is a baby. And the angels, and, you know, and then they said, they go tell everybody, sure. You're not going to believe what happened out in the fields last night. You're not going to believe this. Mom, Dad, this is the truth. <laughs> You're lying. No, no, this is the truth. The awe and the wonder of that night, how special it, it must have been. And, you know, we like the shepherds even though we weren't there and did not experience that, the awe has been sustained for 2,000 years. It's just as awe-inspiring today as it was back then. It fills us with as much wonder today as it must have filled them. I mean, even going home last night, I told Sharon and Aaron as as, as we left after the service last night, I, I said, there's just something of going home on Christmas Eve after the candlelight service. The night just seems a little darker. It, it, it just seems, it's just different. And I don't think that's just my imagination. When, when, you, when you think back to that night and how it must have been for those shepherds, I'm still in awe and wonder over what happened. John MacArthur said this, if we can quote him. If we could condense all the truths of Christmas into only three words, these would be the words, God with us. We tend to focus our attention at Christmas on the infancy of Christ. The greater truth of the holiday is his deity. More astonishing than a baby in the manger is the truth that this promised baby is the omnipotent creator of the heavens and the earth. Those are all inspiring thoughts. What he has talked about here should fill us with wonderment that the creator 
of the universe, the creator of anything that could possibly be known or experienced, was born in a stable manger 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. That's a story you can't make up. It should fill us even now with awe and wonder. On that first Christmas, the angels were expressive of great joy. These shepherds were filled with awe and wonder. And then the wise men, they contribute to the spirit of Christmas in their own special, unique way. The wise men provide us with the spirit of giving. People seem to be, and I think they really are, more generous at Christmas time, more inclined to give, more desirous to give. That is associated with Christmas. That's part of the spirit of Christmas. And no doubt the whole idea began with the wise men. We read part of their account in Matthew chapter 2. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And we know what he's up to. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse number 9, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Joy is transcending even to the wise men. But Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had offered their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. I suppose that first Christmas, it just seemed to be the right thing to do. We're going to find the Messiah. It just seems the right thing that we would offer to him gifts. And in this case, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here he is, this baby Jesus, already and especially in this case, bringing out the best in people. People tend to be selfish. People tend to want to latch on to things. Fearful, if I let this go, it's gone forever, and I I need this. Not in this case. Jesus is bringing out, even as an infant, the best in people. When the wise men come, and offer him their gifts. I think Jesus brings out the best in us at Christmas time in the area of generosity. There's no doubt, no doubt in my mind, just as personal observation, I say this no doubt that at Christmas time, people get more generous, more giving. It can't be explained in any other way, I think. And that's just part of the spirit of Christmas. What we saw displayed in the wise men, we still see displayed 2,000 years later. One individual said, and I quote, Christmas is a tonic for our souls. 
It moves us to think of others rather than of ourselves. It directs our thoughts to giving. Part of the Christmas spirit is joy. Part of the Christmas spirit is the spirit of awe. Part of the Christmas spirit is the spirit of giving. And then lastly, part of the Christmas spirit, I believe very much, is the spirit of family. Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus provided us with the spirit of family. That was a young family. That night was the birth of their young family and the birth of Jesus Christ. And how often at Christmas will people stop everything they're doing, travel long distances to be with family? And I think that is a good thing. Remember, this is a young couple there in that manger. A young couple, Mary and Joseph and their first baby. I mean... It, 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 can you you know how that that felt when you had your first child? It, it you know I, I suppose you're a family, husband and wife, but I mean it, it's like it, it completes it, it, it solidifies it, it, it cements the fact that you are a family. And this event of Christmas, this first one, centered around this little family. Luke 2, verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own town. And Joseph also, up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Verse 5, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that they should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him, and I'm sure very gingerly, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The birth of Christ, I guess God could have given us Christ however he chose. But it came through this young family. And I believe the fact that they were family and that this wonderful event in their lives personally superseded the fact that they were even in a stable. I, I would, I, I sort of say I'd be willing to bet you, but I wouldn't be willing to bet you, but... I would suppose that the stable became secondary once that baby was born. I would suppose they just felt complete. Mary had Joseph. Mary had the baby. Joseph had Mary. Joseph had the baby. And the baby had mom and dad. And I think that's what we see at Christmas time. I think that's one of the huge blessings and benefits of Christmas time is a focus on family and family getting together whenever they can. Some of us have family at great distances, but I'm very pleased that this morning our oldest son, Jeremy, uh, has his wife's mom and dad. Our kids, other grandma and grandpa, are there with them in Dalhart, Texas, and 
Sharon and I are very pleased that they're able to celebrate uh, Christmas with uh, Jim and Pat Berg there at their house this morning because we couldn't be there. And I'm very pleased that over in Illinois, uh, Matt and Christy, Christy's parents, uh, flew in from uh, Chicago to, to be with them and got there last evening. You see, there's just something about Christmas that it just seems right. You know, Congress didn't pass a law. State legislatures hadn't passed a law. It's just an inherent rightness that when possible, and sometimes it's impossible, <coughs> but it just seems right to be with family. And that's a good thing. In this day and age where families are being ripped apart, husbands and wives are getting divorces, it's right and proper that at Christmas time there be this emphasis on family. I like this quote. The best of all gifts around any Christmas tree, the presence of a happy family, all wrapped up in each other. Calvin Coolidge, of all people, the 30th president of the United States, said this. Christmas is not a time nor a season, but a state of mind. To cherish peace and goodwill, to be plenteous in mercy, is to have the real spirit of Christmas. And as I got a little emotional standing there in Flint Airport yesterday, looking for my daughter and hearing the Christmas music, that's not something for me or any of you to ever be embarrassed about, but to thank God for. We have enough bad emotions. We have enough difficulties in life. If you, if you have the... <laughs> If you have the warm fuzzies of the Christmas spirit overcome you, then amen. We need more of that. The spirit of Christmas is the combination, I believe, of joy, awe, giving, and family. You know, Charles Dickens, you know, he wrote maybe one of the most famous Christmas plays of all time, A Christmas Carol. He said this, and I like it. That's why I copied it, and I'm showing it you. He said, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. So as we conclude, real quick, how can we do that? The, the, you know, we, we can't guide our lives solely on feelings and emotions. They change. But the appreciation of the good feelings and emotions that God wants us to have, that of joy, that of awe, that of giving, we should promote that. How can we do that? How, how can we, you know, what, I'm, what I feel at Christmas time, it'd be good to keep that year round. Now, the Christmas decorations will be taken down. The Christmas tree will be taken down. The Christmas cards will cease coming. So maybe it's a greater challenge in the absence of those things to keep this wonderful spirit of Christmas. Let me suggest the following. Maintain the joy of Christmas through serving in church. There's great joy in serving. There's great joy in teaching a Sunday school class, singing in the choir, being an usher, being a part of something that's bigger than you, and to know that God is using you to be a, a team player in a church and you found your spot? You, you understand your unique giftedness and you have found a place to use it in church and you are fulfilled. You look forward to it. You're excited about it. 
That brings a joy. You want to keep joy year-round? Well, I suppose there's lots of ways to, to accomplish that, but certainly one of the ways to accomplish that is through serving, getting involved in ministry, having a place of regular service. Number two, maintain the awe of Christmas by expressing gratitude for the gift of salvation. Daily, realize, as a born-again Christian, you are destined for heaven. You are destined for heaven. You need not fear death, hell, or the grave. That should fill you and I with wonderment and awe that, if you will, the baby Jesus made that happen. Number three, maintain the giving of Christmas by giving to someone in need regularly. There have been people that have come to my office or handed me something and said, Pastor, it may be a gift card, it may be cash in some case. They say, if you know of somebody that can use this, you know, make sure that they get it. I just want to be a blessing to somebody. So I take my wallet out and I put it in my wallet and I put it back here. I said, thank you very much. No, don't, don't do that at all. We need to maintain that spirit year-round. Because there's going to be people in July that are going to be sometimes in financial difficulties through no fault of their own. Now, if somebody's lazy and they brought it on themselves and they're wasting their money, then, you know, we don't want to be an enabler. But somebody that works hard, maybe lost their job, no fault of their own, or maybe encountered some illness or whatever, that can happen in July. That can happen in September. That can happen at any time. And I would be so proud of our church family, and I think folks have done this, but I want to encourage you keep on doing this, and some of you join in. Just, if you want to have a blessing, just give somebody 20 bucks that's going through a hard time. Or maybe a card, or, or, or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be. Maybe you don't have twenty bucks. You can give an encouraging phone call. There's a great joy in giving. Maintain the giving of Christmas by giving to someone in need regularly. And then, lastly, maintain your family through frequent communication of love and appreciation. Stay in touch with your family whether they're local or whether, like mine, they're scattered from Texas to Illinois to South Carolina to Louisiana to Mississippi. We are blessed to have a phone. We can pick up the phone and call them and say, how you doing? Family is important. And I think in this day and age of so much busyness, we have to work extra to maintain those family ties, and you will never regret doing it. You may regret someday not doing it, but for sure you won't regret one bit. If, if you're the point person to make it happen, to keep your family together, to stay in touch, to express your love and your appreciation for others is a wonderful thing. Again, I want to go back as we conclude to the quote by Calvin Coolidge. Christmas is not a time or a season but a state of mind to cherish peace and goodwill, to be plenteous in mercy, is to have the real spirit of Christmas. That is worth 
fighting for year-round, 365 days. As much as I'm enjoying Christmas, the idea of having it year-round is not out of the realm of possibility. I might have to work at it a little more because go home in January, there's not a Christmas tree in the living room. There's not the beautiful decorations that Sharon has, has put up. And if I'm not careful, it's liable to just slip out of the picture. But it's worth working for. Spirit of Christmas. Let's work to keep it at my old Baptist church. And may that be a part of our light that shines, not only to our family and friends, but this, to this community. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.